I actually never went to college, never went to university or anything like that. I actually started as an electrical contractor. I went to an electrical apprenticeship program that led me into doing energy management projects. So we were controlling buildings, HVAC systems and, and lighting systems back in 2005 before anyone really was doing any of that type of thing. And then 2008 hit and, and my electrical contracting company basically kind of fell off. So at that same time was when the first iPhone came out. So I said, well, let's give apps development. Let's give that a go, right? So we developed some of the first apps that were in the app store and that's kind of morphed into what we do today. This has only come up recently over the last few days for me, actually, when I was asked to go on record something on TV back in the UK a couple of days ago, which was a, a debate about uh, uh, the pros and cons of uh, of using university for the stepping stone to the career path that you want. Guys, Matt Haycox here, and welcome to another episode of the Matt Haycox Show, where I've got a great guest with me today, super excited to be talking to Matt Shields. This is actually also the first time we've re recorded this in a studio and in Zoom at the same time, so I'm kind of already looking between two cameras and, and not knowing exactly what I'm going to say, but even if I don't know what I'm going to say, we're going to have a great conversation with an entrepreneur, a business owner, a tech expert, a podcast host, and an owner, an investor in multifamily real estate too. So Matt, thanks a lot for being here, and I'm really excited to get talking to you. I am as well. Thanks for having me, and I'm glad to, to hear that I'm the first person in the studio here. That's exciting. <laughs> I know. I, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, though. I, I already feel <laughs> like my, my head's like one of those bobble heads. You know, I'm like, yep, exactly. Camera to <laughs> Where do I look? Where do I look? <laughs> Computer's <laughs> a computer. Listen, you you and I were having a brief chat before we started recording this, and uh, and already in the three or four minutes that, that we were talking, I've already got so many avenues I want to go down and, and, and some really interesting things. But look, just, just set the scene for the guys watching and listening to this about who you are, how you got here, and then uh, I'm going to dig deep on some questions I've got for you. Sounds good. Yeah. So I, I would say that I have an eclectic background. I actually never went to college, never went to university or anything like that. I actually started as an electrical contractor. So I, I went to an electrical apprenticeship program and started there. That led me into doing energy management projects. So we were controlling buildings, HVAC systems and, and lighting systems back in 2005 before anyone really was doing any of that type of thing. And then 2008 hit and, and my electrical contracting company wasn't doing as much volume anymore, basically kind of fell off. So at that same time was when the first iPhone came out. So I said, well, let's give application uh, apps development. Let's give that a go, right? So we developed some of the first apps that were in the app store and that's kind of morphed into what we do today. So we help companies digitally transform their company. So, you know, again, if they've got some type of analog process, maybe they're building manila folders and those folders are getting passed from person to person. We basically help digitize all of that. And of course, when COVID happened and everybody was working remotely, everyone was looking to take their old process and bring it online. So it's worked out well. And then we also have a number of real estate investing companies that we run and own. Uh, we've got uh, Significant, uh, Significant Lifestyle Communities, which invests in large multifamily real estate. Then we have Significant Property Management, which manages that real estate. And then uh, uh, no small ideas construction, which also manages all the construction for for each one of the projects. So, in a nutshell, that's that's pretty well where I'm at today. Now, tell me, how, how old are you, by the way? 
I am 45. Okay, cool. So um, th- th- there was a, I wasn't just asking. There was a there was there was a reason for that to set the scene. So look, I'm I'm 42, and I just want to talk about your not going to university uh, comment and, and and just go down that um, hole for a minute because this has only come up recently over the last few days for me actually. When I was asked to go on record something on TV back in the UK a couple of days ago, which was a, a debate about uh, the pros and cons of uh, of using university for the stepping stone to the career path that you want and I was on there as the well as the against the university but not but not against but to be clear I'm not against I'm pro open mind pro options you know I'm very very pro pro education but I came from you know I was going to uni or I would have been going to uni in 1998 99 2000 and it was a very very different era to what we're in now I mean you're back back in the in the mid to late 90s and, and, and before then as well you know if you didn't go to university it was as good as if you'd been written off for you know for any career prospects certainly working for a corporation and you know I guess fast forward I say 20 years but probably over the last five six seven years there's been a, a material shift there and even, even the biggest corporations in the world the apples the googles etc no longer insist on a university or, or on a college education to be able to get a job there whereas like I say go back to the mid to late 90s you probably couldn't get a job as a toilet cleaner in a corporation for that now you you've been an apprentice and you know one of the one of the many routes to to the career that you want uh, you know should you not go down the university route but I mean now you're an employer as well and I guess you you know, you're taking people on in all kinds of different walks of life. What's your take on educational options? You know the importance of university. I mean, I, I feel like I've already put too many answers too many answers to that rather than just framing a question. But you, you know where I'm going with it anyway. Yeah, no, I absolutely love that question. It's actually something that I'm pretty passionate about. I, I'm the same way. It, I personally believe that it depends on what it is that you want to do with your life. Fortunately for me, I pretty well had a good idea what what I wanted to do. I actually started putting roofs on houses when I was maybe 10 years old or so. I grew up where my dad and I, you know, we put additions on our house. We did drywall, we did plumbing. So I I can honestly say that by the time I was 16, I pretty well knew how to do, how to fix almost everything in the house. And the reason why I went into electrical contracting was because that was one of the gray gray areas, we'll say, where I didn't really understand any of that, right? So that was the path that led me down or to electrical contracting. And my goal was always to invest in, at the time, what I thought was I always wanted to invest in uh, houses, right? So buy a house, fix it up, sell it, rent it out, you know, whatever. So I just needed, I just needed a job that allowed me to be able to qualify for those types of loans. So I mentioned how I had my own electrical contracting company. I, I did a five-year apprenticeship program, and basically, as soon as I had enough time in the industry to be able to qualify for my state certification, I went and took that and opened up my own electrical contracting company. And I should also say too, I bought my first house when I was 19, and same thing, fixed it up, flipped it. And that same mentality, that same process was how I went through the electrical contracting company. I, I, I kind of kept that, that mindset throughout the entire process where we would buy houses. If the electrical contracting was slow, I would have the guys go over there and work on those houses. So it, it, they kind of fed into one another, right? So getting back to your question, I, I, I completely believe, and especially today, I, I, I completely identify with what you're saying. Back when we were growing up, I was looked at like, oh, he's not going to be anything. He's not going to be anybody. But again, I already knew, like there was no doubt in my mind that I was going to be, I was going to own my own company and I knew what I was going to do. And I did all of that, right? So for the people that don't necessarily have that type of mindset, that type of mentality where they know exactly what they want to do, 
and I, I can't even necessarily say they, they would be the right person to go to college because I think a lot of people go to college just to sort of kick the can down the road a little bit more. Like, I don't know what I want to do, right? But maybe I can find myself in the next three, four, or five years. And if not, then I'll just pick something and maybe they're happy with it. Maybe they're not, right? I think there's a lot to be said about really, and this is something that isn't taught in school, but you know, really getting into your mindset and really diving into what it is that motivates you and drives you and what you're really interested in. And then once you know that, figure out a path to be able to you know, deploy that into, into life. Right. And again, there's a, there's all kinds of different avenues today. You know, people are doing TikTok, this and that, and, you know, a lot easier today than what it used to be, but you know, are those people are even happy, right? You really want to get into your mindset and get that right. So that whatever it is that you're doing, you are happy with it. And it's not a, it's not a daily slog where you're always dreading getting up and, and oh, I got to go and do this again. I got, you know, I got to do with that, right? That That's no way to live, right? So I really think that a lot of people sort of skip over all of that and, and they don't really necessarily try to find themselves, if you will. And I think that there needs to be a lot more emphasis in that process, that, that part of growing up to be able to, to get yourself into a, a position that you're going to be happy in. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, you know, one thing that I was thinking about when you were just talking then, and it's like, you know, I've dawned on, or rather dawned on me over the last three or four days since that original interview, is um, another big difference 20 odd years ago, and it was the time pressure that was put on us as well. You know, I mean, not not just that if you didn't go to uni, you were a failure, but also that if you didn't go to uni, like now, I mean, and, and like, you know, taking, taking that year out, taking that gap year was really considered such a wasted year because you know putting yourself back that year and I always remember something my dad used to say to me as well which was if you haven't made it by the time you're 40 you're probably never going to make it and and it was it, you know it, it very much kind of almost was true back then as well where I you know I I now look look at things now I think at 42 I've been doing this for 25 years but I also could have a complete different change of plan tomorrow start something mm -hmm. completely different and still still not feel that I've really lost any time or been delayed at all now whether or not that is a difference in mentality and, and psychology nowadays or may, maybe it's also to do with the fact it's a lot easier uh, not necessarily easier but you could scale a business a lot quicker I mean like you I mean you could literally start a business at age 45 or age 55 62 mm -hmm. now nowadays and go from zero customers to a million customers and tens of millions of pounds in a matter of months or very few years whereas you know 20 years ago 30 years ago I mean it was as good as an impossibility because more money means more scale more scale means more distribution and you know and without the internet distribution is a very you know very linear and clunky thing so I mean maybe, maybe, maybe is that that to it as well we're going off on a right tangent now aren't we but it's quite it's quite a, quite 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 an interesting thought it, it really is and I I think that you know, to your point, you've developed those skills over the years as well. So you have that confidence, right? If you're someone who's 19, 20 years old, yeah, sure, you've grown up with the internet, you've grown up with all of this technology, but you don't necessarily know how to deploy that or how to be valuable to anyone. So again, taking your mindset, what you've learned over the last, you know, 20, 25 years, and giving that to someone who's 18, 19, 20 years old, that's that's the key so that they understand that, yeah, I can go out and do this and I do have that possibility. You mentioned there's a, a lot of young people that have gone down this path because they've grown up with the technology and they, they somewhat understand it and they've sort of carved out this little path, but there's still plenty of people that don't know what they're going to do and they've never really used any of the distribution models or methods in their life this far to, to be able to do anything with it. So again, if we can 
if we can uh, give that gift to the younger generation, you know, who knows what it'll turn into and, and, you know, have more, more value out there for all of us in the world. Right. Oh, for sure. For sure. Well, let's talk, let's talk about investing in real estate and, and quite specifically with you, you were telling me uh, before we came on camera that uh, you, you've been building a big portfolio in multifamily real estate. I mean, multifamily real estate's a concept. I, I don't think we really have it in the UK. I think, I think, I think, I think it's much, much more an American thing than it is over, over in England. I mean, okay. Yeah. We do get the, the occasional big blocks, but you know, n- n- normally it's on, a, it's on a property by property basis. And I mean, I first really, even heard the words multifamily real estate from Grant Cardone. I mean, he, he's always banging on, isn't he? Banging on about, you know, m- multiple doors. And if you've got eight doors or 88 doors, when, you know, one or two of your tenants disappear, it, uh, it, it, uh, it, it doesn't, doesn't affect your rent, your rental role. I mean, is, is yep. that, is that the appeal to multifamily for you? Is it, is it economies of scale and diversification of income or is there, is there more to it than that? No, that's that's exactly what it is. You know, when you think of again where I started, I was doing single homes, duplexes, triplexes, right? So there's one, two, three, four people underneath one roof. I have to drive to that one location, or you know, the, the team has to drive to that one location to be able to serve whatever there might be, right? So there's there's typically you're not going to find single families right next to each other where you're going to have a huge block of them. You're not typically going to be able to buy a whole neighborhood of single families. And even if you did, you still have one person under one roof, one furnace, one HVAC system, one plumbing system. All of that stuff can have issues. And that one that one unit goes down or that, that one home has an issue, you only have one person that is is helping pay for whatever those costs are. Whereas with multifamily, you know, you can have 50, 100 plus people in one building underneath one roof, you know, one one plumbing system. So yeah, I mean, if anything goes wrong, it's going to impact more people. But like you mentioned, there's going to have there's going to be more people that are going to be able to offset whatever those costs are. So from a scalability standpoint, it just makes so much more sense. And the amount of work that you have to do to find multifamily real estate, again, some of these larger properties is pretty well the same amount of work as what you have to do to find one house, right? So if you're going to put in that effort, you might as well make a bigger impact and have a bigger impact with your acquisition rather than just going after that one that one property. So that's what appeals to me. And obviously there's all kinds of other things, you know, there's tax incentives and tax benefits to it. And especially since I have other businesses, you know, the write-offs are great. So all of that stuff kind of plays into the benefits of of multifamily, but in a nutshell. And what's the downside? Just that the barrier to entry is a bit higher because because rather than having a whatever a 30 grand deposit on a three hundred thousand dollar house, you need a three hundred thousand deposit on a three million dollar property. That's the only real downside. I would say that's the only real downside, but here we have the ability to be able to syndicate things as well. So we'll bring a pool of investors. So this is a very relationship-based business. You want to be able to create as many relationships with different investors because you never know when their skill sets, their balance sheet is going to be needed to, to be able to bring in uh, a deal. So we'll pull everyone together and together we'll be able to take down a 20, 30, 40, 50 million dollar, you know, asset. But alone, you know, we wouldn't necessarily be able to do that. So I would say that that's that's probably and this actually this goes back to mindset as well. One of the biggest stumbling blocks that a lot of people 
run into the brick wall time and time again is there's no way that I can raise, you know, $30 million. There's no way that I can do that. And it's, it's all mindset. Once you do it, once you get over that, once you have the connections and the relationships that can help make this possible, you're able to see it. You just go in and rinse and peat over and over and over again. It's basically the exact same process. So again, once you get through that mental block that you have, it becomes very, very possible, very, very doable. And uh, again, I think that's probably one of the biggest hurdles that a lot of people have to go through. I think that the lessons are very applicable across uh, you know, most, if not all businesses. And it was making me very much think about my core business, which is lending, where I you know, raised money from high net worth individuals and lent, lended onto SME businesses. And you know, in the old days, I'd be doing 25K loans, 50K loans. And as, as my capital pool grew and as my investor base grew, you know, I was doing 500K loans. And now we do 5 million, 6 million, 7, 8 million loans and you know the old adage you know is just so true that it's the same effort to do a 500 sorry to do a five million pound loan as it is to do a fifty thousand pound loan or it's the same effort to manage a five million pound investor as it is to manage a hundred grand investor and if anything it's actually easier when you get to when you get to the higher levels as well because you know you're probably dealing with a higher caliber of borrower or a higher caliber of investor you're certainly a more a more professional person i mean when somebody's investing 10k or 20k or something into a project then it's i mean it's probably their last money and they're probably desperate and they're going to you know, harass the living daylights out of you and I think you know you can take take that lesson and principle and uh, you know and, and, and apply it across most businesses I completely yeah completely agree let's move from businesses to podcasts I know you're a podcast host just to tell us a bit about your podcast and, and how it all began yeah so I started originally it was called past the secret sauce I started that in 2020 because I was stuck indoors during the pandemic and I wanted to be able to connect with other entrepreneurs, see how other people were faring with their businesses and what was going on during that that point in all of our lives, right? That really was the, the original idea was I just wanted to be able to connect with other entrepreneurs. Entrepreneurs are my people. I love talking business and learning from people and figuring out different ways to be able to to make my business better. So as that has evolved, I've realized that the podcast is incredibly, incredibly powerful in being able to break down any type of walls, barriers that people, businesses typically put up, right? Commonly called the gatekeeper. I've been selling things pretty well my, my entire life. And you always have people that are, they have their secretary in the way, this person is put in the way to be able to stop any type of sales calls from coming in. With a podcast, it's a completely different mentality, right? You you approach it and actually our subject line whenever I reach out to someone is I want you on my podcast. And that when you think about that, that is it's it's such a it's such a, a compliment to that person because they feel like, wow, you know. I must be I must be doing something right. People are noticing me. I'm being recognized for whatever my accomplishments are. So it's a completely different mentality. And then you're able to spend an hour or so building that relationship with that person, which has led into all kinds of other opportunities, right? So we've had people that have invested in in our real estate deals before. Actually, another side benefit of the podcast is if we're struggling with something, if we have a question about something, you know, whether that be SEO or lending or anything, we can reach out to experts in that field and say, you know, we, we basically interview them and get our own questions answered. 
right? So we're able to use the podcast as a way to be able to expand our business and solve our business problems by reaching out to the very experts that have walked this this path before us and already figured all this stuff out. So great way to be able to expand your knowledge, break down those those gatekeeper walls, and just get to, to meet a bunch of cool people that are doing you know, amazing things, right? So it's it's benefits all around. Yeah, I mean, you and I were obviously talking about this a bit before we came on camera as well. And, you know, I, I talk about it very often about, you know, the benefits of my podcast to me. And I think, you know, people who who have never had a podcast or people who maybe don't approach it with that business mindset or automatically uh, default to the kind of ego concept of a podcast. That, oh, you're the, the, the benefit is that, you know, you're, you're your own TV host or, 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 or whatever it may be. But for, for, for me, that is absolutely at the, at the bottom of the uh, the bottom of the priority list. And like you say, being able to ask those questions of, you know, world experts and, and, and further your knowledge and fix your own problems. I mean, I, I often say that my podcasts are private conversations between me and, a, and an expert in a particular field that I get to pick the brains of, but my my audience are lucky enough to be able to uh, be able to listen in lin, into that and, and, and get those nuggets that they can they can contextualise for themselves. But I mean, you know, I, I always hammer on about you know the the benefits of the podcast. But I think I think every every business owner should have one. You know, wh- wh- whether or not it ever gets many views, ever gets many you know m- many listens, it doesn't matter. Just you know, just that chance to be able to meet great people, ask some great questions and also then the next benefit of you know giving it giving yourself that credibility perception when people google you and see you know sat host, hosting a particular podcast guest is absolutely immeasurable yep completely completely agree yeah and it's i always advise other business owners the same thing you you should open up or you should start your own podcast set the time aside it's well well worth it you're going to meet amazing people and it's and, and actually, the other thing, too, is, and this is a mistake that I made, is being able to niche it down into something specific, right? You know, being able to focus it in on, you know, these type of people. So that way, the listeners know, yeah, this is me. This is my, this is a podcast that I would be interested in, right? So being able to niche that down, that's, that's something that a lot of people may not necessarily take into consideration when they're thinking about starting a podcast. But again, the, 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 the more focused you can make it, the better. How many episodes are you on on yours now? Uh, I think we are at, I think we've released about 210 or so, something like that. I think we're probably recorded around 220, somewhere in that neighborhood. And, so, and, and what, yeah. what what particular changes or improvements or you know, differences have you noticed along the way? I mean, have you niched down particularly differently since the beginning? Or have, you, have, you, have you kind of changed format? You know, what, what lessons have you learned along the way? Yeah, so we, we've always wanted to try to keep it very, very conversational, much like your podcast here. We did go down the path for a while of making it more story-based. So you, we would we would do this recording and we'd try to make a story out of the out of the episode. And honestly, that was just a lot of work to be able to, to do that week and week out. And we were based, we were we record typically about two podcasts a week. So that takes quite a bit of time to be able to try to create a story out of everyone's everyone's episode. So we went back to the more conversational side of things. I would say that our biggest change has has come relatively recently, where again, we've we've gotten more focused. We actually just changed the name of the podcast from 
past the secret sauce to invest in square feet to, again, focus a little bit more on the investor. And going back to the, the real estate investment, this is something that I learned very, very early on that you want to make sure, and this goes to, to single family, homes, apartments, whatever. You want to always take into consideration what the square footage is. What a lot of people do, what they make the mistake of is they will say, well, this comp over here, they've got a two bedroom for whatever, $2,000. We have a two bedroom. We should be able to get $2,000 for ours. So this is a process that you go through when you're acquiring these properties. You want to understand what is that rent delta? How, how high can we make these rents, right? And the way to do that is to look at what other people are getting in the area. They've renovated their home, or they've rented their renovated their apartment. So this is this is what the market is, right? But the mistake that a lot of people might make is that two thousand dollar per month uh, apartment or home might be fifteen hundred square feet, and your apartments are only eight hundred square feet. So you want to always divide that price by the square footage so that you have an apples to apples comparison. So the $2,000 a month property that's 1500 square uh, 1500 square feet, you would divide that down and get that square footage price, then multiply that price by however big yours is and that's your that's the amount that you can charge. And that's a mistake that a lot of people make. So invest in square feet is that is kind of the premise behind this. You know, you want to always make sure that you're investing in square feet. And when you think about any type of business, just breaking it down to what is it that we're doing? What is it that we're buying? What is it that we're selling? That's, that's again, kind of the premise behind the show is being able to break business down into these smaller chunks, these easily to, to digest chunks of information to be able to, you know, understand the bigger picture. So to answer your question, just very recently, we rebranded to invest in square feet and hired a another audio engineer, which is again, helping us edit all the episodes and you know, numbers are are, you know, certainly growing, I think we've probably re released maybe four or five episodes with that with that new format. And uh, they're every week, they're growing more and more. So it's, it's been a great, great transition. Did you have to kind of announce that transition, that name change and stuff? Or, or did you just do it because it felt right? Yeah, we we just did it. And actually, that was one of the questions that I had. I, I guess there's other people that would go through this exact same type of transformation as well. So this might be valuable. Again, when we made this transition, we had over 200 episodes of Past the Secret Sauce recorded and released and all of that. We basically just took that exact same content and it still says, you know, Past the Secret Sauce. We didn't go back and update any of it, but we just changed the names on all of those assets. So we still have all of the, all of the same same old listeners and you know the RSS feeds are all being redirected to the new one. So basically all of the assets, all of the listener base that we had grown on the first one have been transferred over onto the new one. And again, it's just a little bit more focused uh, on this one. So we didn't necessarily have to start from scratch, if you will. So listen, one of the things we were uh, kind of preparing to talk about before this was your uh, thoughts and strategies on ident identifying per the perfect opportunity and maximizing returns. I thought you know, when, when I saw that, I thought it was something I'm going to be very interested to hear about because you know, one of the problems nowadays is there's just too many opportunities or rather the amount of opportunities out there are, are a blessing and a curse. And for, and for somebody with, you know, fast figures, sorry, fast figures, 
those fast fingers yeah. to be too trigger happy to be to be too greedy it is a curse that there are so many opportunities out there so I mean how how do you go about identifying the best ones when I say you you know how, how would one go about identifying the best opportunities for them in such an overcrowded market yeah so I would say like you said fast fingers don't be so quick to commit to an opportunity. I'll say, this goes back to the old saying, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. So if you get into this space, whatever your interest is, let's just say it's real estate, for instance. If you get into real estate and you see all of the the opportunities that you're coming across are all giving 10, 12, 15% IRR, and then all of a sudden out of nowhere, you get this one that's 30% IRR, right? There might be something wrong with that the operator on that particular deal. So I mentioned this earlier, this is a very, very relationship-based business. So that goes for the investors as well. You should not jump right in because you see this huge potential in a property. You should get to know the people who are running these projects. You get you should get to know these operators. And even if that means you have to pass by that amazing deal, if those people are great operators, they'll come back with another, another deal. So it's really about establishing that relationship first before you jump in and, and start investing in the opportunity. And again, there's all kinds of platforms, there's all kinds of crowdfunding type opportunities that anyone can just post their particular project on. And you know nothing about those people running that, that particular deal, right? So this goes back to my philosophy on stocks as well. I don't particularly agree. I don't invest in, in the stock market because I don't know any of the people running any of these companies. I don't know any of the decisions that they're that they're making. I don't know the type of people that they are. I basically apply that exact same type of philosophy to any of the opportunities that might be presented to us as well. You know, do I know those people? Do I have a network who might know those people who have worked with those people before? I'd rather know who the team is behind the opportunity much more than understanding whatever whatever they're putting down on paper as being the you know, the returns that you can realize on that particular opportunity. So very much so, again, relationship-based. I go back to that time and time again, you know, just build a relationship with the people first, get to know the people, and then you'll make your decision whether or not you want to invest in them or not. Um, yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree or, or kind of echo or mi- mirror those points more myself. Like, you know, you talk about that there's always, always another deal and, and that, that is the thing, you know, even if these things looks too good to be true, actually is true and you miss out on it, there's another one tomorrow and tomorrow and, and, mm-hmm. and, and the next tomorrow. And again, like you said about backing the people, I mean, when I look at every abject financial failure I've had over the years, every one of them could have been avoided if I hadn't backed the wrong person, I know that might sound over oversimplistic to say, but you know some some of the some of the people that you know I kind of went into business with, I mean they took what could have almost been a sure thing and absolutely fucked it up. And every mm-hmm. time every time that happened, that was really down to my trigger happy finger, you know, and, and not doing enough due diligence on that person or, or not, uh, yeah, I guess you know not not spending enough time to get to know them to build a relationship and and, and to to really marry that marry that with the opportunity and it's always always even now 25 years plus in doing this you know I still make mistakes you know I'll I'll have a good period and then I'll fall off a cliff again and every time I fall off that cliff and look back it's always normally to do with speed and greed yep couldn't agree more yeah couldn't agree more and it's again once you start to get to know the people and this this is again the part that not very many operators 
of any type of company, that's not necessarily where they where they focus, right? It's all about, you know, look at my my shiny OM or my my shiny sales pitch, right? Look at this, look at this, look at this. It's, you know, it doesn't come back to them. And that's really where you should be focusing. I actually, I, I ran across another investor who had an interesting way that he looks at the people. He wants to know what trials and tribulations, what are the hardships that you've gone through in your life? It doesn't necessarily have to even mean, you know, in real estate again, if that's what the, if that's what you're pitching, but what was your response when times got tough? Because times will always get tough. That will always come back again. And he wants to know how you handled that situation. Did you, you know, stick your head in the sand and run the other direction? Or did you work your way through it and, and, you know, figure out whatever the issue was. So, you know, that's a great way to be able, that's a great litmus test to be able to understand what people's personalities are like and what they, again, how they, how they react to the negative points of life, because again, it's, it's going to come up time and time again. So absolutely. Listen, Matt, I am conscious that, uh, that you're a busy man with a hard stop on this, uh, on the, on this great chat, but I, I hope that we're going to get together again sometime soon for a, for a round two, because it's been, been fantastic to talk with you obviously as always we'll put uh, we'll put in the show notes uh, you know where where people can link through to you but just before you go just let, uh, let everyone know where they can find you where they can follow you yeah I'd say uh, shoot over to investinsquarefeet.com we've got all kinds of different topics and entrepreneurial advice and and all kinds of things there so that's probably the best way to be able to, to reach out and get in touch with us uh, we also have a newsletter there that you can sign up for uh, with special tips and uh, advice from our guests. And then that's also how you find about, out about our particular opportunities that we have for investment as well. So that's how you can start the relationship. And again, we're very relationship based. So you know, once you're kind of in our network, you'll start to you know understand how we do things and understand our personalities and what we're up to and all of that. So perfect. Well, I'm gonna have a, I'm gonna have a little look on there look on there myself as well later. Perfect. Well, listen, Matt, thanks again for being here, guys. I hope you've enjoyed listening as much as I've enjoyed talking to Matt. And like I say, we'll try and uh, drag him back for a round two and uh, dig deeper on some of that stuff in the future. As always. I've been the Matt Haycox. That's T H E M A T T H A Y C O X on all things social. If you've been watching this on YouTube, you can get the audio versions over on Spotify or iTunes. And if you've been listening on Spotify and iTunes, you can whiz over to YouTube and see my pretty face on these as well. So until the next time, thanks a lot and thanks for being here, Matt. Thanks, Matt. Take care.